Welcome to the Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm Ross. Gordon is away on assignment. This time I want to talk about protective slash UV filters. Do you need them? If you use them, what do you gain? And what do you lose? Back when we were all shooting film, particularly color film, the idea of a permanently mounted filter was common. The best-selling filter in the market was the Skylight 1A, basically a pink filter that warmed things up in general and put a bit more pink in the sky, and by doing so, causing the sky to look to be a slightly darker blue, particularly when people were not using a polarizing filter. The Skyline 1A was skin tone friendly, and most every shop aggressively sold one with every lens. Alternatively, some sellers recommended a UV filter on the basis that film was sensitive to UV light, which might make images hazy, and such a filter would help cut that. Other photographers who spent most of their time working with skin tones, wedding photographers, engagement photographers, folks like that, would often default to an 81A, a perfect filter to make skin colors great, regardless of the level of melanin in the subject's skin. That any of these filters offered some level of protection to the lens's front element well, nearly no one spoke of this. These filters did provide nominal protection, although not as much as one would think, and typically had a deleterious impact on image quality, unless the filter itself was of superb optical quality. As most of them at the time had the optical quality of the bottom of a Pepsi bottle, the effects of this were mostly ignored, or the blame was placed elsewhere. When we moved to digital sensors, we gained electronic white balance, applied or not applied when the image was recorded. This negated the value proposition of skylights and 81A filters, unless all we shot was JPEG, and we made special white balance settings to accommodate them. Virtually no one did, and those filters vanished from the marketplace. UV filters became of less value, because the sensors were already programmed to ignore UV wavelengths. That's something you couldn't do with film. You could, and you still can use a UV filter, but it will have negligible impact on the amount of UV light in your final image. Sad reality shows that even in film, the positive effects of a UV filter were not visible, although lots of people convinced themselves that they made a huge difference. Such is the power of the human mind, to convince itself of something that's not true. When we moved to digital and traditional filters went away, sellers were annoyed. Add-on filters had been a highly profitable add-on and held very high margins compared to what could be earned on the sale of a manufacturer's lens. A lens that retailed for $400 might have only about $100 gross margin in it. A filter selling for $60 often had $40 or more gross margin. As most salespeople are dependent on commission to be able to live and eat, sales of filters were and are very important to these people. With the 1A and UV effectively useless as value-add for digital, filter makers started making simpler and cheaper to make protection filters. They sold for the same price as the old ones, sometimes at a higher cost, and therefore delivered more margin, while actually providing less. The perceived benefit to the buyer was, and is, 
protection for the front element of the lens, even though the more expensive lenses that we use cannot even accept a front-mounted filter for protection. There's no way to mount a filter on fast telephoto lenses that tend to be very expensive. Nor can you mount a protective filter on the bulbous front end of a superwide. And if you could, vignetting would be a real problem. The concept of protection is sort of true. If your photography takes you into an, an environment that's hostile to the front element, the idea isn't all bad. When I was photographing rodeo, I was able to shoot from the inner fence. The horses, the bulls, the calves, and the riders could, and frequently did, come right up inside the fence line. They kicked up a lot of sand and mud, and I and my cameras would, from time to time, end up wearing it. I would routinely use a protective filter on my lenses in this case. The fact is that the multi-coating on our modern lenses is quite tough, and takes a lot of work to damage, so the point of the filter in that case was to slow incoming junk while not breaking. The last thing any of us wants is the edge of a piece of broken glass being driven into the front element of our lens. That's going to be really bad news. The downside of protection filters is image impact, quality impact. Most protection filters that we encounter are optical junk. Rarely are protective filters even made of optical gray glass, and fewer still are made optically correct. Take a small sample of those, and they'll be the ones that are actually multi-coated. And if you're not using a multi-coated protective filter of optically correct optical glass, what you're doing is you're adding a piece of glass in front of your very expensive lens, that isn't managing internal reflection or refraction, negatively impacting the value proposition of that lens. You are getting great multi-coating in the lens itself, but you're negating it before a single image is made. The data will tell us that an optically correct multi-coated protection filter is gonna start at around $100. And after folks have just spent a fair bit of money on a lens, that can be a choke point before they spend any more. The other downside is that these high-end filters have less gross margin, and therefore, despite a higher sell price, make a less valuable contribution to commission. Therefore, it's easy to understand why a seller may not be recommending these filters very often. I've also been an eyewitness to the effectiveness, or lack thereof, of protection filters. I've seen many of them shatter if they hit a desktop or bounce off a doorframe. This has left shards of glass between the filter and the front element of the lens, and the cheap metal that's used in most filter rings bends and twists such that you need to take the lens to someone with the skill necessary so they can remove that without damaging the lens or the front element. And then we still have to hope that the lens's own filter threads are not damaged. However, at the same time, I've seen lenses from Nikon, from Canon, from Fujifilm, and Panasonic suffer similar kinds of abuse and have no damage at all to the front element. Nothing breaks, no scratches, and the filter threads are not impacted. There's even some independent industry data that shows that a Nikon Nikkor nano-coated lens front element is tougher than a decent multi-coated protective filter. This should give you cause to ask what you're actually getting 
from a protective filter in the first place. Digital photography and large computer screens have spawned the development of the pixel peeper. Pixel peeping is a pointless exercise, but people do it anyway. And some get really angry at a perceived lack of image quality. They detail in depth the camera, the lens, the settings, the phase of the moon, their astrological sign, seeking reasons for this perceived poor image quality. I always like to start with the question of whether there was a filter on the lens. And if there was, what filter? Commonly, and when I say commonly, I mean much more often than not, the answer is, well, just a protection filter. I always propose doing a similar shot again without that filter. For those who've had the complaint and have made the time and taken the interest to do so, most of the time that photographer finds a quality improvement without the filter. This doesn't always happen. And sometimes there's no filter involved at all. And further analysis will find that the next most likely reason for lack of quality is microshake. And that's because the buyer believed the marketing hoo-ha about stabilization in the brochure. That, however, is a topic for a different time. In the end, whether you use a protective filter or not is your choice. And what you want to do is your business solely. Do you need a protective filter? No, you don't. You never did. I don't use them myself except when I'm taking a camera and lens into conditions that are going to obviously threaten the front element. And at that point, I'm going to use an optically correct multi-coated filter, typically from B plus W or Heliopan. They are not inexpensive filters, and there are no filters available for my big telephotos or my ultrawides. I have to cope. There are cheaper filters in the market, but I spent a lot of money on my lenses. Why would I voluntarily degrade image quality with a crap filter of any kind? Thanks very much for listening. I'm Ross, and we'll be back with you soon.